It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. It makes the magic happen at the Bleacher Report. And we talk to him on Fridays. He, of course, is Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. How are you? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Howard, I know you need tips from us, but I have a radio tip for you. I can't wait. Never put a Tootsie Roll in your mouth right before you're coming back from break. (laughs) I mean, just right as you... He hears the music, Howard, and then goes right for the Tootsie Roll. It's like, what have you been doing for the last several minutes? Just don't do it. Stay away from the granola bars. You know, know, just don't. Pretzels? Can I eat a pretzel? That probably is a bad idea. (laughs) That might be quicker. Uh, Howard, let's start off with the jazz. Um, Any idea how to fix it? Um... No, no. <laughs> um, I the only thing I can say is is that well, two things. Um, I think that everything will seem fine again once they just figure out how to play defense at their usual level, because that's where this team's identity has always been, and a lot of time and energy has been spent trying to get the offense to where it needs to be to make them a contender. But uh, they will they will always be a force and and a, and, a, and a threat in the postseason as long as the, the defense is where it should be. And we already know that what they're capable of on that end. So if they get that back under control, then that you know that'll that'll be a lot of it. And then they just got to figure out this rotation and where Mike Conley fits in. Um, that part is obviously a lot trickier, as we saw this week with all the strange stuff play out with, you know, who's who's going to the bench, who's starting, this, that whole saga, uh, a little strange, a little, you know, especially just to see that kind of confusion coming out of there. But uh, you guys had a better view on that than I did uh, from up close. But I, I think that, you know, that's that's where things stand now, obviously. Get the defense going, get that back to where it should be, um, and then it, 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 it really just becomes a matter of, okay, now where does Mike Conley fit in? Two parts to the thing, Howard, as far as the Jazz trying to right the ship as they head toward the end of the season and into the playoffs. And one is, you know, from a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint, being able to go out there and win now, but they also have to prepare for the playoffs. And like you said, Mike Conley has to be a part of that if they are going to reach their their fullest potential. And so it's kind of one of those deals. Do you think a team can get hot and get into the playoffs regardless of what, some of these undulations that happen during the regular season? And do you think, I guess, attendant with that, is if the Jazz end up in, in the seventh or eighth spot, then they're going to probably go up against the Lakers or the Clippers. And, or, and who wants to do that? Yeah, no, they certainly don't want to slip. You certainly don't want to be in the seventh or eighth slots in, in the West. And, I mean, listen, I think anything below four um, is, is, you know, potentially going to be, you know, a, a real problem anyway or below three. I mean, you know, obviously it depends on how this this thing all plays out. You know, these teams are still jockeying at, at the top. And, you know, are the Clippers going to end up number two or are the Lakers going to hold on to number one? So, I mean, we're, we're, we're speculating quite a bit with a month and a half to go here, seven weeks, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, 
it, it, it's going to be tough regardless. So letting yourself uh, get matched up with one of those team, two teams in particular, I, I think, um, is, 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 yeah, that could be fatal. You're, now you're talking about potentially out in the first round or, or maybe even likely out in the first round. But I do think that teams that have the requisite talent, teams that have veteran talent, that have proven talent, and the Jazz fall into those categories, can find themselves in the last month of a season. And, and whatever else happened along the way quickly gets forgotten. You know, you still end up somewhere in the high 40s or 50 wins, and as long as you ended on the right note and you got into the playoffs with with uh, you know, everybody in rhythm, the chemistry looking good, you kind of forget about how you got there and the, the mini dramas along the way. And we've seen that play out many times. So, you know, I, I, I don't think what's happening now is necessarily indicative of, of you know, concerns that the Jazz should have in mid-April. But, you know, it all depends on what happens in the next six weeks, obviously. Howard, your early reviews on how it's going with the small ball in Houston? I mean, pretty well, clearly. Um, they've won five in a row. They've won eight of their last ten. They have Their offense has taken another step. And Russell Westbrook is, you know, not that he wasn't always a dangerous weapon, but... Westbrook is is now a terror because they don't have a center clogging the middle. They don't have anybody clogging anything. They just have, you know, Westbrook plus everybody else who's a shooter and the floor is wide open and he's free to just attack and that means that Westbrook is also not taking all the low percentage shots that he used to take and including a lot of threes that he's really not uh, you know or not advisable shots for him. So it, they've, they've become that much more dangerous, and it's not because they're small. It's because they have they have a, a, a spread out lineup, and it's enabled them to be a little bit more uh, nimble on the defensive side too. I don't think they've really seen a major uptick in their defense. Um, at least last I checked, I don't think that there was there was a, a discernible difference there statistically. But it has made them at least more versatile defensively in theory with, you know, five guys who can switch across, you know, every position. But I think really it's just the fact that it's spread the floor and given Westbrook uh, more lanes to attack. And this is, this is the, the best version of them we've seen since they got Westbrook. And we'll see how far they can take it. Are we about ready to appreciate the Bucks for how good they are, Howard? I don't know. You know, it's funny. Like, I think everybody in NBA circles does. I don't know if, you know, the the you know NBA fans at large or sports fans at large are really appreciating it. Um, I don't know if people are realizing that they're, they're on a pace for 70 wins and that would put them in an incredibly rare air. Um, but I, I think, you know, part of this is, is just the, the burden of being a small market team and, and not being a lot of, on a lot of people's radar. Um, you know, if, if you haven't figured out who Giannis is and what makes him spectacular and a lot of fun to watch yet, I, I don't know what to tell you. But um, and maybe you know, maybe the league and the you know national broadcast partners, maybe they haven't done enough to hype them up. I don't know, um, but they do seem to fly, fly a little below the radar for a team that's on pace for seventy wins. Their margin differential is over twelve points. That that's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, they, you know, like if, if you're just going by obviously the winning percentage, they're spectacular. If you're going by uh, the advanced metrics and net rating and, and all this, 
they're spectacular. I mean, there's 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 really no way to look at them and not um, view them as as uh, you know an elite team um, and and even historically elite in some regard. So, you know, I, I think the Bucks the, the the challenge for them. This is a team that is dominant defensively and that can just, you know, suffocate a team. And then offensively, Giannis is, you know, the most unique weapon in, in the league. But the question for me has been all along, you know, are they going to have those other dimensions to the offense when they need them in a, in a playoff series? And Middleton is, is an all-star and is, is a, a potent scorer and can do a few things on his own. But he's not really a guy that, that – you know, you, you're worried about on his own. And so I look at a team like the Celtics where you have Jason Tatum exploding and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, if he gets healthy, even Gordon Hayward. Like, they've got a bunch of different ways their offense can go, and so there's a, a lot of dynamism there that I, I, with the Bucks, they're so Giannis-centric that I, I, I do wonder a little bit about how that will play out in a postseason series. They should be the team that comes out of the East, but I, you know, I, I believe that the Celtics and even the Raptors have a shot. Um, I don't think this is, is automatic. I noticed you did not include the 76ers in that, <laughs> uh, in that comment there, Howard. Where, where is that franchise headed? I mean, are they going to have to make some really difficult decisions if things continue to go as they are? Well, with, when everybody was healthy and they were clearly underachieving at full health, um, you know, there were already a lot of rumblings across the league about, you know, is, is this the final run for this group? Um, you know, what, you know, how far do they have to get for Brett Brown to keep his job? Um, how far do they have to go to decide to keep Simmons and Embiid together? Uh, there are some people in the league who believe, and this, again, this is weeks ago before the injuries set in where some folks were, you know, saying, look, they, they thought this summer would be when they would finally decide to, to break it up. Um, that may be premature. Embiid and Simmons are still very young. There's still room to grow. Uh, but there are some fundamental issues with those two and, and, and trying to get the most out of them simultaneously. And now everything is clouded because of the injuries. So Ben Simmons is out with this back thing that is, is going to be at least a couple of weeks and maybe longer. And now you know Embiid's shoulder and so it's, it's going to be harder to evaluate. You know, if, if, you, if things sputter and you get to the playoffs and you lose in the first round, but you weren't completely healthy, how do you evaluate it then? It, it's, it's not a clean, uh, you know, a, a, a clean uh, you know, view. And so I think it's going to make it a lot harder to decide where to go from there. But they do absolutely seem to be heading toward disappointment. Uh, you know, they're, they're slotted fifth right now. If the playoffs started today, they're on the road playing the Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler, <laughs> which I, I, I'm rooting for that scenario. Butler versus the Sixers would be a lot of fun. Um, and the Sixers are terrible on the road. They're 9-21. and 21. Of all the, the presumed contenders of the season, they have the worst road record by far. They've got a road record that's at the Knicks level. Um, that's that's you know close to like the, the Cleveland Cavaliers level. I mean that's 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 horrific for a team of their caliber. So uh, the chances of them losing in the first round and there being serious consequences uh, feels significant. Howard, if I told you at this point in the season the Thunder would be a game and a half behind the Rockets and that they'd have a record of thirty-seven and twenty-two, what would you have thought? It's exactly what I predicted, Gordon. Really? No. <laughs> I was going to say. 
<laughs> See, I have, um, such, I have such respect for Howard. I, he might have done that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad I was able to sell that for like 3.2 <laughs> seconds. Uh, before the season started, you know, there were a lot of people the second that the, the, the trade happened, they're like, oh, Chris Paul's not going to end up there. He'll be re- rerouted somewhere or whatever. Something's going to happen. And anyway, he's not going to want to be there because they're going to be terrible. And all I was, all I could think was, Chris Paul plus Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I was really high on, and, and a lot of people around the league are, um, and Gallinari and Stephen Adams. Like that's a pretty good foursome to start with. Like I'm not ruling them out. And so, I thought they were definitely a possibility to make the playoffs. And that was probably as strong of a, of a prediction as I was willing to make that they could be in the mix for the eighth seed or maybe seventh, depending on how things went. That they are 15 games over 500 and in the fifth slot and just a you know, game and a half behind Houston uh, is, is way beyond what I, I would have expected. And I think what anybody, probably even the Thunder, would have expected. And huge credit to Chris Paul um, because I think that, that so much of this starts with him, and he's had a phenomenal season. And Shea Gildas-Alexander has taken some leaps. And then credit to Billy Donovan, who I think has done some, some interesting stuff with them, including those three-guard lineups with Dennis Schroeder out there. They're, they're, you know, they don't have a ton of talent beyond the guys I've mentioned, but they're getting the most out of what they have. And they've been a lot of fun. And that's not a team I want to face in the first round if you're one of those top seeds. Dare I ask, Howard, what you would have thought if I told you that the Grizzlies would be 28-30 and at this point? (laughs) I mean, the entire league, everybody had the Grizzlies last in the the West. Um, So they they are wildly exceeding expectations as well. This has been a good year for exceeding expectations, I mean, especially in the West. The Thunder, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies – um, are, are all you know way better than than anybody could have anticipated or or in, or, or rightfully should have, um, and then the Grizzlies have cooled off a little bit lately. Um, I don't know that they're going to hang on to that that eighth spot. I kind of think the Pelicans are going to take the eighth spot, um, but it, it, it doesn't matter. Memphis is way ahead of schedule. They've got a great uh, core now to build on this young group with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and uh, and Brandon Clark. Like it's it's a it. They are they're ahead of schedule easily and plenty of flexibility to keep building. And if they miss the playoffs, they'll be just fine with that. They're just at the beginning of, of, of this era. Howard, thank you very much as always. Enjoy the hoops this weekend. Appreciate it, guys. You too. Thanks, Howard. Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report and, of course, joins us each and every Friday right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I like to see surprises in the NBA. Uh, because so many times you think you can just slate in where someone's going to be. Now, I'm not sure that I uh, or that our listeners would appreciate the fact that they might be surprised with where the Jazz are right now. Yeah, I was going to say there are a lot of uh, overachievers in the West, and there's an underachiever at the moment. Another underachiever, the Blazers. Yes, they've underachieved as well. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Grizzlies, John Morant, I mean, he's – Kickstarted things in a major way down there, and they've got a couple of nice young pieces. Uh, Dallas certainly, I think, is better than uh, most teams thought. I think it's good. It's good to spread it around. I some people love. We, we've had that discussion before. Do you like to see dominating teams, or do you like to see parity? Remember Pete Rozelle in the NFL used to always preach. Well, that was a long time ago. Have you ever heard of Pete Rose? I've I've heard of him. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but he wanted to see parity in a league. But some people like these dynasties. I like to see these dominant teams. I I I like seeing everything mixed up because, as you know, 
One of the things I just love about sports is the competition. I don't like to see teams get blown out. I don't like to see that kind of imbalance. I Call me a, a communist or something. Maybe, I don't, dare I say, socialist. I, I, I just like to see that it's spread out a little bit. I don't think anybody's accusing you of being a socialist there, Gordon. <laughs> Barry Sanders, uh, you know, the whole thing. We'll have to get to that because that's pretty hilarious. It's on the list. It's on the list. We can get to, uh, we can get to more of the list coming up, so uh, stay tuned for that. We'll hit more of Gordon's list. Uh, but, you know, one thing, just, to, just a thought on what you were talking about there. I think it's a good sign for the future, a lot of this overachieving, because there's a ton of exciting, exciting young, young players, players in the yeah. NBA, and uh, they're already, you know, having some success, and it, it – it bodes well for the future of the league because there's there's a lot of different exciting types of guys that are that are really really playing well and they're really good. I mean, John Morant is exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. He's a fun basketball player to watch. Shea Gilgis Alexander, you heard Howard talking about him there in Oklahoma City. He has the chance to be just special. I yeah. mean, and and we're seeing Donovan and Rudy, of course, uh, really up close. But there's a lot of dynamic, young, exciting players in the NBA right now. All right, we'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.